The Seven Rock Life Show is about stories that inspire with people that you will admire. Learning to develop new chapters in life, learning from the past, but letting the old stories expire so it gives room for the new stories you create. Our brand is about three things. Victorious in your life, contributing to society, and having fun along the journey. Seven Rock Life is a lifestyle that inspires and gives back with a mission to impact the world one life at a time. I'm your host, Steven Zerko. Thanks for tuning in and being part of this journey. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to Seven Rock Live Podcast Show. You guys are in for an amazing episode. So we have some exciting announcements to share with you before we get started. So if last night at Sunday on at 7 p.m., we launched our livingtoinspire.com. These are our Living to Inspire inspirational music festivals, and they will take place in seven select cities across the country starting November 2019 through 2020. So check it out. You'll see the tour schedule on there. You'll see um, the experience and the charity that we're doing with it with every ticket sale. Uh, just amazing things. A Living to Inspire Festival, it's going to be a new and unique live event experience designed to educate, entertain, and connect one another through the seven rocks of life mentality. You're going to enjoy new music with undiscovered artists who want to make an impact with their songs and informed speakers and performers who give insight and levity and purpose to help define our own life journeys. When you're living to inspire, the world is definitely a better place. You're a better person and you'll live and lead by example. Positivity is infectious and it's going to be ground zero is the festival that inspires and gives back. You also will see the lifestyle brand on there, which is sevenrocklife.com. Every item that's bought through that website, another item is donated. We have our summer sale, uh, which is our uh, end of the year clearance, so you guys can check out, uh, so you can feel good, look good, and just live that Seven Rock life. And also, we did so many great things. We already are going to be building our part of our first school in Tanzania, Africa, because of the brand. So we just want to thank each and every one of you that contribute, that support this mission of changing the world, inspiring the world, and being a brand that gives back um, and inspires people everywhere. And we also have our book, which is on Amazon, that's doing amazing and helping people through so many different challenges. And, and sometimes your broken times of life become your best. And through that adversity, there's always that win on the other side of that door. So that's what we are helping people do. And I just want to say thank you each and every one of you. We appreciate you. We love you. And any way we can be better every day for you as you're driving, as you're working out, as you're listening to this, uh, let us know. Leave reviews, guys. Uh, comment. Check us out on social media, on Semrock Life, and also uh, different platforms through Facebook and through YouTube. And we just want to say dream big and dream often. Life is amazing. And we appreciate each and every one of you. And go out there every day and live to inspire. Have a great week, guys. Enjoy the episode. Before we start this episode, Pastor Steven is a good friend of mine, and he's actually in the book, and just a, an amazing family, the Zarlingo family. They're part of Smithtown Tabernacle, and you'll hear in the beginning a little intro, but I just want to send my gratitude uh, to Pastor Steven um, because he's somebody who saved my life. He's somebody who was there that was for you, and what's amazing, and I talk about this in the book, is that you never know when a hug or I believe you or I care about you um, can change or save somebody's life. And he's doing so many great things, and he's just so humble. I learned from him. He's inspiring to me. And just to see uh, what he's about, what he represents, 
and he's just so consistent. Beautiful family. He's got his third child on the way as well and doing amazing things for the world and communities all around. So we just want to send our gratitude towards uh, Pastor Steven. You guys are in for an amazing episode, guys. Share this. There is so much content on here that will change somebody's lives, will change your life. And the best uh, gift you can give somebody else is a gift that changes you. And uh, so we love you. We appreciate you. Enjoy the episode, guys, and get ready for an amazing time and journey through the show. Hey guys, welcome to Seven Rock Life Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Mazurko, and I'm here with an amazing friend, uh, Mr. Steven Zarlingo. Woo. What's up, my man? How you doing, bro? Uh, Steve, uh, Steve's a great friend of mine, and uh, I think he is. Are you a great friend of mine? Uh, sometimes, yes. Sometimes. <laughs> but just uh, just an amazing, amazing guy and, and uh, part of a church that I, uh, I plug into and uh, I'm with. And just a little background on Steve. So he's a young adults associate pastor. He grew up in, um, in, in Long Island. He was born in Texas, in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. He was there for a hot minute, and uh, but he does have a little Texas in him, the way he, uh, he's got his swag. Twang, and his little twang coming little out. twang but just you know before we start I, I gotta um, you know I gotta give accolades to, to Stephen and his father Pastor Gary Zarlingo they um, are the head of their Smithtown Tabernacle Church uh, here in Long Island and, and just an amazing family so authentic so real um, they, they saved my life they're actually in the book and I'm just so grateful for them and it's crazy how you know uh the world, God, universe, how things can always be fixed and repaired if you're available, if you're open to, to learning. And uh, I realized that you know God wants your heart. He doesn't want your stuff. And uh, these, this family has an amazing heart doing awesome things for the world with their mission trips and, and just beautiful people inside and out. So it's an honor to have him. And he's a funny dude. He's a cool dude. He's a heartfelt dude. And uh, it's awesome to have you here, man. Oh, man. I'm thrilled to be here. And that was... Very nice of you how you introed, but we're honored to be here, and Steve has blessed my life, my family's life in so many ways, so we just are behind his mission and what he's doing, so honored to be here. I appreciate it. So, um, you know, we're going to get into a lot of great things, uh, talking about your spiritual walk, talking about mm. the world and, and, and being around mission trips. And, and I love your story because I'm going to Tanzania and, and uh, Africa in August. And that's when a lot of your monumental shifts of your life happened late at night. Huge. And sometimes your, your alone time is when you discover yourself. Mm. And that's when you start to take an audit of just why you're here and what it's all about. So I'm curious to hear, and Seven Rock Life Podcast Nation's excited to have you here. So let's get into it and kind of go background of your story, just how you grew yeah. up and how it all started. Thanks, Steve. Yo, I well, like I said, I was born in Dallas, Texas, but New York made me a man. That's what I always say. So that's <laughs> a, that's my little shout out to Long Island, Strong Island. Um, but grew up in Long Island, and my father was a pastor and still is at the same church. Um, he was missions pastor for a while, so that's I think where. My mother and him very involved globally in the world as far as uh, reaching and uh, the lost, the hurting, the outsiders. And so that was just kind of poured into me, um, which gave such a global perspective of, of who God is and even the kingdom of God throughout the world. Uh, so grew up there. And then after I graduated, I went to a private Christian school, Smithtown Christian School. Um, a lot of great friends that are still the best of friends that I've kept through the years from that place. And then went to Oklahoma, to Oral Roberts University. Uh, four years there, did my undergrad in theology, and then uh, did my master's degree there as well um, in church history. Uh, and so that's the class that everyone falls asleep in, I stayed awake for. The old church history stories just wrecked my life. 
Um, and that's where God began to work in me. That's where I met my wife of almost nine years now this July. And uh, so and we have a newborn coming uh, newborn. soon. Yeah, so we've got three total. Three total. We've got two little girls right now, four and two. Uh, Evelyn and Emerson, and then we've got a little man coming, which we're so excited about. He'll be born end of August, September. Man-child is about to be birthed. Probably yeah, come out with hair on his head and chest. You're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably so excited. Oh, I'm psyched. I'm psyched. I did my job. I told my dad I did my job. The name will live on. I did it. Pressure's off. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. And so, you know, walk us through just why, what gave you that hunger of wanting to grow in the biblical knowledge and just uh, with what you were around? And yeah. Because you, ha- you have that fire about you. First time I met you, I was like, you're different. Mm. You have a, a zen about you. You have a feng shui about you. Mm. Mm. That's different. So why? Yeah. Well, man, the only reason why is I'd, I, I would not be who I was without the grace of Jesus. You know, Jesus Christ has changed my life. And um, there's a point, you know, I grew up in church, like I said, like many people have. They've grown up with religious backgrounds or they've done the nominal thing. Um, but there was a moment in my life. See, I invited Jesus Christ to be a part of my life. Uh, growing up as a small child. But I remember when I was in high school, I was 16 years old. It was at that moment where I surrendered my life to Jesus. And see, there's a big difference between inviting someone into your life and then surrendering your life to them. And that was the point where I began to see the shift happen. Uh, It was from that point on where suddenly my life began to be filled so I could pour out opposed to just experiencing things and being splashed on. I was now actually being filled up. Uh, and that began the journey, and it wasn't through till college and many experiences. I mean, I thought I wanted to be in the FBI. I wanted to be a lawyer. I was pursuing those things, um, and God just gripped my heart uh, specifically for full-time ministry. Uh, and then it was in Tanzania, Africa. I love when, the story. Oh, man, when I was just, I was feeling like, okay, I think I'm called to be a missionary, do nonprofit globally. It was in that moment where uh, the Lord just so clearly, as I was looking up in the stars in the mountains of Tanzania, that he said, I need you to be a, a local church pastor. Uh, and it was it was in that moment where something broke and something was a catalyst for me now to jump into what God had called me and specifically the local community of the church. So there's a lot more behind that story, but that's kind of the, the fast track. Uh, and it's from that place of surrender, right? The whole theme, I think, in my life has been, though painful and difficult at times, and many, many mistakes um, and many points of not surrendering. I've come back to say, I only can be who God has called me to be if it's from a place of surrender. Mm. And so that's where you then open yourself up to be filled up to pour out. Yeah. I, and I think surrendering is sometimes like a scary thing to think about mm. or say. Oh, right? yeah. You're like, what? What am I surrendering oh, to? Oh, we hate that word. Yeah. Because we have, uh, you know, egos edging God out. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, and, so good. And it's just like you, especially as, as a, say, Italian man or whatever, man yeah. or woman, whatever it yeah. is, we have this kind of calloused heart. Mm-hmm. Or this callous being about us because we've been hurt, mm-hmm. and that hurt sometimes stops us from our best blessings in our life. Totally, and that's we've Steve and I have talked about this before. You know that a lot from your culture you grew up in. Um, we don't like the idea of surrender. You know, uh, you play the game mercy as kids, where you grab hands and the first one to say mercy is the loser. And oh, I lost. I hate. You know, I think we we constantly have this place where we have to come back to. Hey, it's about me surrendering, and when I surrender, it doesn't mean I'm weak, especially to to the right source and to the right one. And so that's that's a hard place to be, and it's difficult. And guess what? I think it's something when I talk to guys in it for 50, 60 years, 
they say, you still got to surrender when you're 80 years old, just like you did when you were 20, just like you did when you were 12, just like you will when you're 60. It's always a constant journey of surrender. Um, and Jesus did it himself in scripture. We see that all the time. He surrendered to his father's will. Yep. I mean, if Jesus did it and he found strength in that uh, to change the world, I think we got to do it too. So that's really a core. I pray that's a theme of my life, that at the end of my life, people don't have to remember my name um, or even maybe the things I did, but if they rem- can say he was a man who was surrendered to God, I think that's a big win. I just got chills. Oh, man. You're good. You put the AC on. That's why. <laughs> no, but it's you're right on point, and I think we live in a culture that we want to be popular and not have purpose, Yeah. and that being popular is very empty. You know, I've been there. I've seen it, and also like in the music world or movie world, you see people, they... Um, you know, a great example is actually in Bradley Cooper and with, um, what was the other, A Star is Born, right? Mm, with yeah. uh, Lady Gaga, where it was a great example and it was a great movie, but the ending was was tough because he gained the world but lost himself. Yeah. And yeah. in the Bible it says, if you gain the world and lose yourself, what do you really gain? Yeah. And for you, what do you think, what is what is gaining for you? What is what is your inner core mission, would yeah. you say, that drives you? Because you have an energy about you yeah. where you're fun to be around. You have a vision. You have a mission. Everybody I meet that has been either mentored by you or been around, you're like, yeah, Pastor Stephen has changed my life. Oh, man. But you're so humble, mm. you know, because it's not about you. It's about the yeah. man above. Yeah. Yeah, I think I always look back and in the Bible, Old Testament, there's a story where God uses a donkey to redirect a, a holy man of God to change a, a whole community of people. So if he can use the donkey, he can use me, he can use anyone, you know, and I just, I think I've hit a point in my life where I've also realized that uh, it's really comes down to obedience. Um, when you're ready to obey, God then trusts you uh, to, to do what he's called you to do um, and to love people the right way, not the way we maybe want to all the time, but the way that God wants to love them. Mm. And uh, the biggest drive for me recently, just in my life, I've had so many men in my life, with spiritual fathers, my actual father, my parents, of course, but um, friends who have poured into me uh, and created community for me. And so my biggest drive is that I, I think that um, Jesus instituted not just a church, though that did happen. He, he showed us a new way of living, and that new way of living was not to do life alone. Um, and it wasn't just a fake way of, hey, just be around each other, walk away and have your own struggles by yourself. I really believe that Jesus said, we struggle together, we work together, we win together, we lose together, we keep going. And that's that's something that um, I'm so passionate about because I see a world around us that is so alone. Social media, they might have, you know, 5,000 friends. They might get a few hundred likes on something. But we all know that, that that's not real community. That's not, that's not what you can build your identity on. It can be a great source to so market true, and communicate, yep. but you can't build your identity on it. And so a community to me is vital and freedom is right next to that because Steve, we've talked about this. You can look around and I know the people you have to communicate with and work with and we do as pastors as well are people who are hurting and in bondage and captivity. They got a vice in their life, something they can't overcome. And I think freedom and community actually go hand in hand a lot deeper than we think. And and Jesus reveals that to us. And so that's really what I'm passionate about. I'm just passionate about seeing people not in bondage and not alone and that they would find a home and that would be in the beautiful, loving arms of Jesus. Did you always value community, Steve, as far as the value of it and what it meant? And were there any broken times for you or rock bottom times that made you value it more? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
Growing up, what was so beautiful um, is uh, my parents were very intentional with us in conversation. We know in Italian households, sometimes you there can be more yelling, there can be more <laughs> bitterness, there can be biting fists at each other. Yep. Um, but my parents worked very hard on breaking that generationally and just saying, hey, we're going to have a home where we talk things through. And something my dad did with me, which I think was the, the spark of community in my life, is we would go on walks. We would actually, since I could remember, I could walk. We would go outside, we would go hiking together around the neighborhood, whatever it was, we would walk together. And in those walks, we would talk. He would say, how are you doing? I'd share my heart. There was never a wall up there. I never had to say the right answer. It was a transparent, it was a vulnerable place. That's so awesome. It was a good place. And that was the beginning of community. And so that was the foundation. Um, I know it sounds very little, but for anyone who's listening, even if they're in that place, it's amazing what can happen in a walk and a talk. Uh, Walls can come down. There can be real catalyst for freedom. But it was in that, that journey, yeah, where I did hit a point uh, certain times, even in college, I remember out of a relationship, I was really, uh, I was just, I was down. I was very down. And I think in that moment, um, the Lord asked me even a question, uh, which was, what are you building your life on? You know, and even with the seven rocks, like, like we've talked about and that you've written the book on and you see this whole dynamic, what's the foundation of my life? Um, was I basing it on people? Was I basing it on people, how they viewed me? Um, Man pleasing is that word we have out there, like making people happy. And that's how I found some of my identity. And that season of my life, he began to show me the sand that I was building parts of my life on. And so, uh, that was a real difficult time. Uh, but friendships and brotherhoods. I remember another time when I was down through South America, we were backpacking, we were doing some humanitarian work, ministry work with missionaries. And I had a, a dark time in my life, man. I was believing lies. There was things that were hitting my heart, my mind that were deep and dark and hard. It was difficult. I mean, you ever have these thoughts where you're like, that's not my, that's not me, but you're afraid. Is that me? It's this inner roommate that yes. you don't like. And you're like, get out, but he doesn't want to leave. Totally. And then you start wondering, is that really who I am? Is that just a mirror? Um, and it was in that moment uh, where a friend of mine, a good friend of mine named Dave, uh, he saw me walk through this for a few months. And then he told me at the end of those months as I had walked through it, he was there with me the whole way through it. Even when I returned, I had friends come around me, family, encouraged me walk through this time. And I said, Dave, what were you doing when we were backpacking for that month and a half in South and Central America? He said, every time you'd go off alone, I knew you were wrestling with something and I would pray for you. That was a true brother. He was praying for me. He was there for me. It wasn't always in words that it had to be, but it was in his presence around me and his prayers for me. And um, that's why I'm a firm believer that I've seen the fruit of community pull you out of some dark places. And um, Jesus is the one who started that depth, right? And so in that, um, I've seen the fruit of it. I've tasted of the fruit of it. And we've got a world who's starving for it. And so that's the passion that I'm driven by. It's the passion literally of who Jesus Christ was to bring freedom and to bring good fruit for people. And, uh, and and that fills you up. It frees you up. It makes you not perfect by any means, but it makes you be able to persevere. It, this is, is amazing because I was just talking to one of my friends who you got to meet, Chance, who's an amazing yes. singer. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Voice like butter is what I said. Oh, he's, yeah, he's, he, he, did you see the Michael Jackson thing that he did? No. <laughs> uh, I'll show you after this podcast. We did a podcast with them at one o'clock in the morning after oh, the my. city, but he did Michael Jackson in the in the subway Stop. and it is fire. It's Wago. <laughs> as long as he's dancing like him too. Oh, okay. dude, wait till you see this, right? They, we, we played it on the, on the podcast last one, so when this oh. comes out, probably it'll be already out so Sweet. you'll see it but we were talking about how you know you have first world second world and third world and his company's third world and so 
you know, poetic and so perfect where first world God made, it was perfect. Then second world is what we're living in chaos yeah. where we're competing. We're not completing each other. Yeah. It's right. Good. And yeah. I think that's what I, that's what I see your guys' mission is, is about how do we complete each other? How do we work together in a community? Totally. True brotherhood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And those principles where we know it, but we don't live it. Totally. That's so true. We can know so many things. It's so hard to do them, you know, and living it is, we're a very wordy culture. We're great at posting things. We're great at communicating what I call kind of um, fake, fake emotions. They're real emotions, but we put fake things on them. We put masks on them. And so suddenly yeah. what really it roots down to is it's just a facade. And it's so dangerous, right? Because it does com become competition. Yep. Because then you start saying, this person does this. I should do this. This, And then there's all this competition. And really, you are exactly right. If we can complete each other, if we could come together with one another. Um, I tell married couples all the time, right? I say, uh, even before they get married, so I should say couples who are in premarital, I ask them a question. Hey, you know you're not two halves becoming a whole. You need to be two whole people who come together as one. Amen. And, and I think that um, if we realize that God and community together helps us become who we've been called to be, we will be able to work together so much better to reach this world. And you see a lot of cultures do that, like Indians or Chinese, they'll come to America, they'll live in one um, like one uh, building, yeah. they'll all get the building paid off real quick, and then they make it real estate, and then they buy another building. Totally. They understand community building. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about um, community building and uh, brotherhood, right? Yeah. Because building a community, I think this is good for people that listen to this that are in entrepreneurship, that maybe have a church, to have a, a company. And you're building an organization, but you're also building a community, yeah. right? And I really yeah. am inspired by your guys' community because I don't like to call it an operation, but you have an amazing operation where everybody works together. Yeah. I was, we were doing the mission work the other day and we were cooking. I was with Chef John. We made so much mashed potatoes. Oh. <laughs> I'll never eat mashed potatoes again because we made so much of it. It was good. Yeah. And he's a great man and oh, I really man. love him. But it's so cool to see everybody just knows their role, right? Yes. So yeah. talk about from your experience with you, your dad, and, and just all the leaders there. Yeah. Building a great culture because building uh, John Maxwell, a great leadership coach, he, you know, he started with the church and then became a business leader, but he uses his biblical principles to run leadership in the business world. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about brotherhood and then yeah. also community. Well, first shout out to John Long, who you're cooking with. That man has cooked on every continent in the world. And I've been at places in the jungle with him where he has made feasts that just make your mouth water. So I don't know how he does it still, but he does it and he does it That's well. Awesome. Um, but he's someone, right, who's found his, his, his role and has been responsible with his role. And I, I think that the biggest thing with community is, I always say this, community, real community, is not convenient. It's inconvenient. Um, being selfish is very convenient. It's very easy to be a loner by ourselves, making our own choices that we feel, we think, only affect us. But e being in community is inconvenient. So there's going to be moments, and I think when you accept that, you realize, oh, there's moments I won't be very comfortable. Mm. There's moments that other people will do things that I would have done differently. Uh, there'll be diversity amongst the group. Uh, there'll be different ages. You know, so in our church, we we have a very multi-generational staff, and we have a multi-generational team and congregation. And um, that can be 
really difficult at times and frustrating. It could be really great. Uh, but at the end, the pros totally outweigh the cons because of the fruit from it. It's like family. If you had family and everyone was the same age, that wouldn't actually be a family. You've got to have the children, the uncles, the aunts, the great uncle, the grandpa, the frustrated, grumpy uncle in the corner who's <laughs> so yelling makes at the, the sports family. games. That's what makes the family. So true. And that's what makes the time at Thanksgiving or Christmas and you gather around the table, you break bread together, you eat with one another. That brings the depth. And so I think if you want a community with depth, um, you need to make it multi-generational. And you need to realize there's going to be diversity in culture, ethnicity. There's also going to be different uh, ways of approaching certain things. And you work towards a common goal. You know, I think when we use the word compromise, it means somebody, both parties had to give up something. But when you tell people, let's actually turn our eyes and work towards a goal together, well, then what are we doing? We're not saying, I'll hold this and let go of this. We're saying, how can we get this? And so that's, that's a good. big thing for me in culture and community is saying, let's work towards goals together. And then that allows us all to bring our experience, our years of experience, our age, our perspective, our worldview, and then we can achieve goals with one another. And guess what? The product if it looks just like us, then it's not bigger than us. And so that's where it's got to not look like us. It's going to look different. It might be not the way we planned it perfectly, but we'll achieve the goal. And many times you'll see you're shocked by it. It's more beautiful and bigger than Dude, you could imagine. Dude, that's so good. Ah, love so, it. That's so right on point. And it's interesting you were talking about culture and having all walks of life. The One of the first things when I left the church on Sunday with you know my friends, they're from yeah. Mississippi, they walked out and I said, you know, they said... They were amazed by the diversity at your guys' church. Wow. All different walks of life. Yeah. All different, you know, quote unquote, uh, nations and colors and different people, but it's all one. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and they that was the first thing that they noticed. Wow, that's so encouraging. That's yeah. amazing. And mm. they said they never seen anything like that. Mm. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's so important. I think a lot of times we don't know like leadership, right? I think we were talking about this before in communities, in organization building, sometimes we have a top-to-bottom type of leadership instead of a yeah. bottom-to-top. Could you kind of maybe walk us through that type of mentality? Because I feel that's how you guys yeah. run your organization yeah. is from top and up. Yeah, totally. From bottom and up. Bottom and up. And, um, I mean, we build it all off of, and like like all churches really in their heart and their DNA, I believe, want it to be this way. And you don't do it perfectly, right, because you're constantly battling your own humanity. Um, and fallen nature just that wants to be about you. But Jesus himself is the servant leader. You know, he shows it when he washes his disciples' feet, and he's showing them, like, I'm. I, there's no question that I'm your leader. You know that, and I know that, but I'm still going to show you what serving looks like. Um, and that's why uh, it's, it's Paul and Silas in the Bible that they're described as the men who turn the world upside down. And because of their miracles, but because of their message, their, their message was one that brought the slave and the owner together to say, you are both valuable in God's eyes, yep. and you shouldn't be a master over this person. There shouldn't be slavery. There should So they were bringing uh, male, female. They were bringing equality among people together, and they were then showing that we should serve one another. So you now have a master who's supposed to serve, quote-unquote, the one who was his slave. You know, this is turning the world and the, the fabric of society upside down. And that's the core of who we are as Christians and our belief. And the church should be the first, the front runners of it. The first example of it is a people who say we serve those around us. Servant leadership is the core of who we are. It doesn't mean that I don't know 
when I'm supposed to make the calls, the leader, but it, it actually affects the way we do things. So I think it's the way we approach situations with humility, uh, with really looking for the other person's interest rather than our own, realizing that though things might run kind of corporately at times, it's not just uh, pieces of property, but they're people who are the property of God in one way. They're the children of God. So and good. so that's where you suddenly come with a different approach. And that's what a servant approach looks like, is how can I serve you and the mission of my father? Um, my heavenly father. And in those, I think you find that beautiful interwoven fabric of God's society and kingdom. Yeah. Uh, and so that's really the heartbeat of it. And at the end of the day, right, we believe that there's one main leader of the church and that's Jesus. And so at the end of the day, we all are under some sort of authority and that keeps you in that right place of humility. Uh, and that just makes it healthy. That's how you can do, I think, community healthy, the right way and achieve goals. And I think that's right on point. I love that. And a few weeks ago, I get this download. And I don't know if I shared this with you, but I realize is that sometimes you don't know where you get all this information from sources instead of the source, right? Totally. And I realized yeah. one thing. If God or the universe defined you, designed you, and created you, stop letting the wrong people in life try to edit you. Yeah, that's so good. And when you stop letting everybody try to edit you instead of the person that created you, your life just starts to get so much more blessed and so much more peaceful. Yep. It's so, it's so true because we are filled with a editing society, you know, everything for, and we do it to ourselves. Society, we yeah. Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look at our profiles, you know, yeah. that perfect angle, take it again, take it again. Let me through five filters. You know, now we got hashtag no filter on things. <laughs> it's just so funny to me, the irony of it. Um, but you're exactly right. We're letting people edit us instead of God define us. Yeah. And you know, we were talking about this before and I, I wrote this down earlier, said what your enemy used to hurt you is using you for your new purpose to inspire others in you. Wow. And I think through these crushing times, whether it's through life, through business, through whatever it is, it allows sometimes, you know, organizations get crushed to get repaired to be bigger. Yes. Because totally. they weren't going the right way, an example, right? Mm -hmm. What other things about leadership have you learned? What makes a great leader? What oh, makes uh, people that are listening to this driving, you know, uh, they're in the gym and they want to be a leader in their yeah. family. Yeah. They want to be a leader in their church, in their business, in their life. Or just for society, yeah. Right? What is what is leadership? And that's what, a yeah, that's a great question. And I uh, pulling my answers together through uh, watching, uh, being a student of great leaders. I think that's the first thing, right? Being always ready. I had a mentor in my life who said we were in Mexico on a trip. Uh, he was mentoring, pouring into about twenty leaders, uh, nineteen to twenty-three year olds who were about to go lead ten to twenty students across the globe for a month, month and a half, two month trips. And he was there and he was saying this, if you don't have a journal, a notepad and a pen with you all the time when you're around someone that you feel has something to give you, he said, then, then you're not actually wanting to learn and you're not going to remember, you know, if you don't write it down, write it off. So that's where, um, being a student of great leaders is so important. So we would have our journals on and he would be talking. I look at those journals. This, that's, that's 12 years ago. I still look at those leadership principles and he's still a part of my life, a mentor in my life. Um, but I look at those and they impact me to this day. So I think the best leader is the best follower. And that's the first thing I learned. And anyone who's been in charge uh, of people have led cultures, changed cultures. You'll see that they're the best followers. And so I think in our day and age with the Google generation, we want things very quick. We want things quick, fast, and convenient. And I think the, the first step is you cannot become a solid leader in that way. It's not something that just happens in a moment or with a Google search. 
you really got to be the best follower. So if you're there and you're, you know, in school or you're working out in the gym and you're, or you're doing a job that you're not too excited about, but you want to be the best leader, be the best follower. Whoever that authority is in your life, the person that's your boss, show them you are the best follower there. You can do it. You can get the job done and do it with excellence. When you have good following and excellence, then guess what? At some point, you'll be invited to sit at a table at a chair where then you're able to be heard, but it's because your feet show that you could get there first opposed to just your voice. Yeah. So that's an important dynamic because people that. are hollering all the, all the time about wanting to sit at that table when really they put their head down, follow, and they walk it out, then there'll be a chair waiting there for them and the impact is so much greater. Yeah, and you look at how God or Jesus or any great leader, they let their feet be louder than their tongue. Yeah. And yeah. they let their work be the way for the, them to be loud. Yes. Sometimes we're so loud that we don't see what we did. We only see what we said. Yep. And that's where you have to be careful with that. That's because so Because it'll good. go so much further. That is so good what you just said. Say, Can you say it one more time? That was so good. Make like, sure that you don't let your feet be louder than your tongue. Yeah. Because in society, we sometimes, our voice is so loud that we don't see what we mm. actually did. I'm writing this down. <laughs> I'm taking notes from you. We're both taking notes. I love we don't, it. As preachers, we don't call it stealing. We call it inspiration. Yeah, I say, <laughs> I say sharing is caring. <laughs> also with leadership, because it's such a, a big thing, being a leader for you as a dad, you know, you as a husband, um, I'm sure, you know, it's Jimmy Evans is a huge, has been a huge inspiration learning about relationships and marriage, and he's yeah. so real and authentic and vulnerable. And I think that's why I respect him. And then I found out you're connected uh, through just, you know, different churches yeah. and different things. But being a leader at the home, um, I heard this just the other day, and I thought this was so profound. As some people try to run the White House and then forget about the running their own house. <laughs> so yeah, how, so how, do you, how do you run your house? How do you run your household if people that are listening to this? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I think... Some of the most disappointing things, right, is when we see people we really respect through their books they've written, through their presence publicly, and then we find out that their home, their house, their marriage is a mess and broken. It's painful. But I remember my dad told me this statement when I was younger. Um, he said, Stephen, the best message I'll ever preach is you, your sister, and your mother. In other words, my family unit, who I am at home, the man that I am in your life, the husband that I am, the father— is the best and most powerful message I'll ever preach. And that's a that's that's an authenticity thing. You know, it's being authentic in every avenue of your life and also not just getting being married to your business, not just being married to your ministry, not being married to your passions, but actually uh, being a part of your family, married yep. to your wife, uh, a father or a mother to your children. And so that's so important to remember. And when I had my first baby girl, uh, Evelyn Joy Zarlingo, she was born, and my dad looked at me, he said, Stephen, being a father is the best thing in your life and the hardest thing. Uh, and I like that transparency and vulnerability, right? Because I think, we're, I think we are transparent to the levels we want to be on our uh, profiles or uh, how we show our 30-second recap of life. And, and really, uh, real transparency and vulnerability is, is... Cleaning diapers. Is cleaning diapers, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Is We have a picture of Anna and I uh, when she was pregnant with our second child, our first one, Evie. It looks like she's kissing her belly, right? 
and we had like a photographer come and we did some family pictures. Well, really though, Anna put two pictures, the swipe, right? So she said, here's what it looks like. Here's what it was. And we had a gummy bear stuck on her, uh, literally stomach over that she could then reach Evie and eat the gummy bear off of her belly <laughs> on her shirt uh, and then took the picture. And so we said, this is real life. Everyone sees, you know, on social media, oh, look at that beautiful picture. She's kissing her mommy's belly. Really, she was eating a gummy bear off of it. Uh, but we caught the moment. And I just think that's a funny way of saying, here's authenticity and vulnerability. That's a huge part of, of, of being a leader and having your home be a healthy place. If your home isn't a healthy place, then you're going to see at some point it's going to catch up. It's going to pour out somehow. It's going to come out through a vice. It's going to come out through something behind the doors that you wish no one would see in your life. Um, but if, if, you, if you don't do that and you work very hard on being transparent and vulnerable, having people in your life to ask you the hard questions, to keep you accountable off the stage as much as on the stage, then I think in those moments you'll realize, wow, I can do this in a healthy way, but at the end of the day, I'm going to stand before God for my family and my home. And the best message for me, and in, in, in this is my vocation as a pastor, as a preacher, best message I can preach is my family. For someone who's a businessman, the best project they can complete, the, the greatest success they can have is their family. You know, for the teacher, the best lesson they've taught is their family. And so that's, that's an important thing uh, for us to realize. And that's longevity. That's what creates legacy. And it's bigger than us. And so I think that's a vital, vital part to an authentic leader is to make sure you do whatever you need to and sacrifices you need to make to make sure your family, your marriage is healthy. And so that's an important thing. And you know what I respect about you, Steve, is that you have that rock of life, you know, family and families forget about me. I love you. That's what yeah. family is all about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I saw you just on Sunday. I saw you with a couple that was, you know, broken and you were there for them as your family and kids are over there. Yeah. And that you're not, you're not selfish, you're selfless. Yeah. You know when to say, Hey, I need time with my family. I need to spend my time and be in the moment. Uh -huh. Right. But then you're also like, I, I don't want to just take care of my family. I want to take care of other families yes. as well. Yeah. And it's a responsibility. It's that's like if you so have the good. cure to cancer, why are you going to just share it for your family? You're exactly right. And that's a huge thing. And if your family is healthy, they celebrate when you do that opposed to uh, regret it. And so a lot of people see their dad or mom helping other people. But if they're not that way at their house and their home, then they those kids begin to regret their parents or that call on their life or what they do. Um, so ex you're exactly right. When you have it healthy at home, then when you are able to reach out and love others, which you're called to do, uh, your family celebrates that. And the beautiful thing is they can become a part of it. We had Evie the other day. We were uh, with some people who were hurting and in need. And so we're big, uh, we believe strongly in bringing our children into what we do as, as much as it can be. Right. So, um, obviously in a funeral, I'm not going to have my daughter come up because she's young and little and she could do something goofy. And so that might not be the appropriate place to do it. But when there's a spot like we're visiting people in the hospital and kids can come, uh, and we feel comfortable with that, we bring them. And the other day she went up and she prayed over this elderly man in a wheelchair who's been hurting oh, and she awesome. just loved him and hugged him. And we said, Hey, that's what this is about. And so when you involve your family into what you do, then you're amazed, you're amazed to see that they begin to own it in a special way. It's not brainwashing them. It's just giving them an experience with you. So you're doing it together. And wow, boy, does that change a perspective. I love that. That's so good. Yeah. Another thing about leadership, which kind of relates to this is that great leaders are really time efficient. Mm. They utilize time, which is the biggest currency of life. Yeah. And they're very aware of where they spend their time. So yeah. could you maybe speak about 
how in life you get kind of torn with so many different things that totally. are being done, so many distractions, so much clutter. You were yeah. saying in the book when you know because he's one of the guys that read the yeah. book before it you know before it came out was the organization chapter that organization yes. rock. Yeah. So walk us through how you stay organized yeah. with everything you have going on, and people out there some tips that you can help out to use the, your time efficiently as you're on this earth. Totally, and uh, like you said in your chapter there, I loved it when even it talked about something very simple, right? To me but was so profound to me was the Amazon stuff and, mm -hmm. and picking things up from there so I can be more uh, present where I'm at. And I think that, uh, that's a shout out. Are you sponsored by Amazon yet? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on it, but that's sponsored, yeah. Jeff Bezos. That, that's where, uh, to me, uh, boundaries are vital. And so uh, you have to have boundaries and you have to have time management, yes, but boundaries is what I kind of feel that that was more. When people said to me, be a better manager of your time, I understood that. But the practical way of where we can do it to where we're not always conscious of, did I spend too much time, did I do this, is boundaries. And so we've, we've had to create, uh, Anna and myself, my wife and I, we've had to create boundaries in our life where you realize people will always be in need. There's always another project to do. There's always another thing to accomplish. Um, but at the end of the day, being healthy is so important and vital, and that gives you longevity. So finding the right rhythms in life. And for us, we know, you know, on Mondays, for instance, that is my Sabbath day. That's my day I don't do anything, but I'm with family. It doesn't mean I'm sitting there praying all day. It doesn't mean I'm in constant meditation and reflection and contemplation, you know, in the woods. Sometimes it means I'm chasing my children around my house in the backyard. But that's a day that I've stopped doing the normal six days, five to six days of work, and now I've just been present with my family, with what reboots me, what is exciting to me, whether that's playing sports or doing something else, it rejuvenates. That's healthy, because we live in a culture where it says work, 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 then retire. And I think if we if we work and we rest in this, the right cycle, it'll keep us in longevity. And so you have to draw boundaries, and that's just a practical way where we've done it. It's a recreate day, it's a rest day, um, and it really makes you more efficient, honestly, the, the rest of the week. So that's a quick thing, but there's boundaries in relationships, there's boundaries in friendships, and there's not a, any book that can tell you how to do that right. I think you really have to sit down and think in your life, what's gonna keep me healthy? What boundaries do I have to put up? I love that. It's like figuring out your swing. Yes. Yeah. And when I was speaking with Chance and, and Shanice, they call it systems. They have these systems in place. It's great. Right? And I think when I first met you, because you gave me some time and I knew you were very busy with different things, but you had boundaries, you, you know, yeah. it's like you can't be available all the time. Yeah. Because then it's a crutch. Yeah. Right. When you're totally. too available and you enable and, people. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And it's like, no, I want you to become strong. It's not because I don't love you. It's like, yeah. I want you to become strong. So you don't need me. You just need him. Spot on. Right? Yeah, man, that's spot on. Yeah. And when you look at Jesus' story, he needed his time to go biology, to go relax, yes. to go like alone time. He would perform his miracle and then go. Yeah. And I discovered that recently is with nature and skiing or snowboarding, whatever it is. You're a snowboarder, right? Snowboarding. All right, oh, yeah. we're going to go this I'm year. I wore my Stratton hat today. I wore my Colorado hat. Yeah, it's a beautiful hat. Uh, it's on Amazon <laughs> for $120,000. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but that reset, and getting in nature, we were outside before and I said how nature's been around longer than us, but we never learned from it. Mm. And I feel that nature sometimes laughs at us because they're just like, they don't get it. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel that way a little bit? You know, oh, where, yeah. like, being you, in nature and all that? I love being in nature. I love, we just came back from a, a camping trip with some of our young adults, just the men. Um, so we had about 20, 25 of us up in the mountains in the Catskills. And it's nothing like it. Oh, man. there's nothing like it. I mean, we were we were worshiping and singing on top of this mountain. We were sharing what we want to leave up there, the, the things in our lives that are that have bound us. 
and we've came together, held one another, prayed over each other. We wept, we laughed, we cried. But that that doesn't happen, you know, down on in the main street of the city or the town. You know, those are those are mountaintop experiences. Those are forest moments. And I think nature makes us pause and realize there's something bigger than us, and something that will even in one sense on this earth outlive us. And so it puts us in the right perspective. And from that right perspective, we can see something much bigger and be a part of something much bigger. I like what you just said, though. It's going to outlive us. There's trees here that were here before we were yeah. born. Yeah, exactly. Hundreds of years before they've stayed. It kind of puts you in that perspective. You feel a little smaller. Um, but that's great because then you can say, who do I need? And you, like Psalm 121 says, you know, I lift my eyes. I, I look to the hills and the mountains. Does my help come from there? No, my help comes from God. And so I think when I look at the mountains, I look at nature, I look at what's around me. It actually makes my eyes look even higher, and I see more of God. I feel more of God, and that's to me what nature does. You know, it says if we weren't there to sing, the rocks would cry out and worship God. And so, nature is something to me that becomes a place I view, I look at, and then it makes me even lift my head up just a little higher and look to the heavens. You know, and even if someone's out there and they're they're not a Christian, they don't believe in God, they're not about religion. I think that we've all had these moments where we've had these natural revelations where we've looked up and said, there's got to be something more. You know, when you're standing looking at a mountain landscape, you can't help but think, what's what's beyond this? Yep. What's so big? And so um, that's where, for me, that's what nature does. When I go out there, it makes me look a little higher and see my help doesn't come from these things, though. My help yeah. comes from the Lord. What has been your biggest like life shifts recently over this past year? Like yeah. Epiphanies or audits that have happened to you? Because yeah. you know, I know we go through auditing times throughout totally. life, but I'm curious to because I don't yes. think I ever asked you this. Yeah, recently, yeah. What has the past six months year produced for you as totally. far as monumental That's, things? No, man, and it's always this journey, right? For me, um, recently going through the Songs of Ascent and a great book, uh, which is Along Obedience in the Same Direction. Uh, that It's changed my life because it taught me something, and it's a very pivotal time in my life where it's not about the monuments we build, but the journey we're on. Hmm. And I think for me, you you know, I'm 31, I'll be 32 in two weeks, and I just look and I think, okay, wait, there was 30 years. Wow, that went quick. And then I'm sure I know that when you're 60, you say the same thing. When you're 90, if you make it that far, you say the same thing. Um, what am I doing? And, and uh, where did I think I'd be? And I'm not there now. And I think we all can have these moments of discouragement. Um, and that those moments of discouragement can become despair, and that despair can become deep depression um, because we're looking for what did I produce. And I think this book and also just what God has shown me in my life is, hey, Stephen, it's not necessarily about what you produce, but it's the path you're on. It's the journey you're taking. Um, there will be production from that naturally, Right. But that's not why I'm doing it. I'm not here to build monuments. Um, a monument says, at least I got this far. But a footprint on the journey says, that's where I was before I left again. And so I think that's what's changed my life as I've started rearranging and editing things even out of my life that have made me say, monument, production, monument, production. And now I've said, hey, this is a journey. This is a pilgrimage. So I'm going to rejoice in the process. I'm going to rejoice in the waiting uh, even unmet expectations now don't d- destroy me, but they become something where I can say, hey, I'm going to keep on keeping on. And I think that makes us take a deep breath and breathe. Yep. And then we look around and we're actually more present. And then the productivity and the fruitfulness that comes from it is amazing. You know, the branch doesn't say, stay, stay there, stay there, stay there, stay there, stay there, produce fruit, produce fruit, produce fruit. No, the branch just stays connected and plugged in 
to that tree. And because of that, that branch does what it was meant to do. It bears fruit. Have I ever shared with you the five levels of seed? No. No, uh, I'm going to share it with you guys. And it's really profound because I love nature. I think, like I said, I growing the vegetable garden. I I talk, I start off my book with uh, my dad growing up and it just always amazed me that a seed, like the tree that's outside was a seed that that couldn't hold anything, but because of its grounded its roots, it grew into something that can hold everything. Yeah. Right. It's amazing. So the five levels of seed, and I think this will apply to everybody that's listening to this. And it reminds me is, is the first level is the seed needs to be planted, right? So we're all seeds. God gave us, we're all seeds that can grow into something, but yeah. whether we choose or not, that's up to us. Mm-hmm. Right. So first level is you're being planted. You have to plant a seed in the right soil. After yeah. you plant a seed, then it has to give roots. It doesn't grow up first. It grows down. Yeah. So you may get broken first before you get built up. So good. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the second level. The third level is the breakthrough. So it's the breakthrough. And I just saw my corn actually break through yesterday. <laughs> and there's corn that's going through in my it's garden. Happening. It's happening. It's happening. Wow. <laughs> All right? It works. The, the fourth thing is the fruit of what that seed produces. And then the fifth level is the reproduction of that fruit. So true. Yeah. So I think when you look at, like, for example, you, you know, you've planted yourself in the right environment with your dad and, and the, you know, the church and just a community. You've grounded yourself. You broke through. You produced fruit in your life. And mm-hmm. now I think you're at the reproduction stage, yeah. uh, not just with your family, but with society and life. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the five levels. And when you complete all those five levels, it's a cycle. Totally. And what's so interesting about that cycle is that every single phase of the seed is always growth happening. So even when there's say brokenness or, or there's, there's your rooted part, you're growing. Yeah. And have you always felt that way in your life where oh, man, whatever yeah. adversities, no, I'm growing through this. Oh yeah. And to, and I think in the moment we don't feel it, you know, we're like, this stinks. I, I hate everything about what I'm in the midst of or do that. But then, you know, when we go a little further and we look back hindsight, we say, wow, like I grew. And I think it's probably the most difficult times that we've grown the most. Um, and that is such a good example of the seeds because it's so true at the end of it too. What is it about? You know, legacy is, is, is yes, reproducing and hoping I, my parents always said this to me and I say this now to my children and I pray it goes on for generations that the roof of my life will become their foundation to build even higher. Say that again. I love that. Yeah. That's just, it's changed my life and it's, it's because it's been embedded into it, but that the roof of like my parents' life will become my foundation to build on. And then the roof of my life will be my children's foundation to build. And instead of going wider and wider and wider with single stories, we're going higher and higher and higher with more and more stories. Um, Love that. And that's such an important thing. And I think that's what this seed life looks like. Um, and Jesus did it, right? Jesus really didn't didn't minister to millions and millions of people. Yeah, he only ministered to, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands that he encountered. But there was 12 who he really poured into. And then maybe a hundred or two outside of that that were constantly around him. But in that, those 12, those people took it to the world. And now we're on another continent uh, eating the fruit of their labor. There's something powerful about that. That's my little church history side coming out, which I love because you see it's so much bigger than you. And it's from the planting and the toiling of others that we get a harvest now. And I, that's so on point. Oh, it's so good. I realized that mentoring less is actually mentoring more. Yeah. And we think that sometimes doing more is, is, is going to produce more fruit, but sometimes it's that less. And, and I love what your dad's analogy and in, in your family is like, yeah. no, this is the kind of just the, the bottom to our top to, to grow and get yeah. bigger. Yeah, totally. That's so good. I love it, man. I love it, man. And we got to do this every day. 
I know. <laughs> He's got such a good voice, Let's have right? a cup of coffee. Let's yeah, have yeah. a cup of coffee and go back and forth. I know, yeah. Shots of espresso, Italian style. <laughs> Dude, I grew up with the espresso, and it's so strong. It's so strong. Pasta, then espresso. Yeah, pasta, <laughs> then espresso, then cannoli. The, the healthiest things we can get. <laughs> but we're happy. Everyone's happy in those homes. Oh, man. Any, any crazy stories of, like, just being in missionary work or growing up? Like, any? Because oh, you have some amazing stuff. I would, I'm sure, oh, you know, with, with wrapping up the next five minutes yeah. or so. What um? Give me some stories of your yeah. traveling and your experiences. Things you, because perspective shifts you and changes you. Oh yeah, and you have seen perspectives yeah. that we haven't. Totally, I've got uh, f- some fun experiences. I remember uh, my buddy and I when we were backpacking through South and Central America. We took a, um, we took a bus and then um, we walked across the border from Brazil into Guyana. Um, and we, I don't know why we didn't think about this. I mean, we were smart. We re, I really thought we were smart, but when we got there in the Guyana, we had no plan on how to get to the another 15 hours North to the spot we were supposed to be. So we walk across the border and there's literally just a dirt path and there's no one there, no one there. So I said, Dave, what, what, what do we do? He's like, well, you're the one who planned this trip. So what was your plan? I said, well, I have a map, but the city's way North. Um, so we're like, well, so one car pulls up out of nowhere says you need a ride and I looked at him I said Dave we're either about to die or have the greatest adventure of our life (laughs) but there's no other option here because the Amazon's right next to us and behind us yeah so we hopped in that car uh it brought us to a spot to another spot we paid people and we finally got to where we need to so that was a fun adventure but taught me something about planning and I just kind of and it also taught me something where at the end of the day you have to be wise you have to be smart but sometimes we're very afraid, like everybody's evil, everybody's bad, don't trust anybody, especially, you know, New York, Italian. It don't. But in that place, it was like, it's cool to see people work together. Um, and so we were helping them and they were helping us. So that was a cool, fun story. But I think a very impactful one of perspective shift for me was when I was in Tanzania, Africa, because you're going to Tanzania and mm-hmm. um, the excitement of that different culture. And we were, we were deep, deep, deep in the bush. And when I say that, I'm talking about we drove... Uh, 15 hours off-road, and then we hiked for 20 hours on foot uh, to get to where we had to go, and then we took a boat to get to this spot. So, I mean, we're deep, deep in there. We were there, and we were about to have a service at one of these um, uh, local churches they had just built, and these people were so sweet. And not many of them had seen people like us, you know, white men with beards. And so it was a real exciting experience, and it was so special. So we got off this boat, we're walking, and all these sweet children run up, and they're singing uh, one of their just native songs there, and they're harmonizing naturally, these kids. I mean, beautiful music. They're singing, holding our hands, walking us up to this place. I mean, I felt like I was in a storybook. And so uh, when we got there, we sat down. We were pretty tired. We were pretty exhausted. Um, and so they came up, and this gentleman had came up, and he had offered us um, Coca-Cola and Fantas. And so they were in the glass bottles, and they gave them to us. And so our team of guys, it was a man team we had there, uh, lined up, and we we, we drank them and they were really hot. And if you've drank hot soda, it's like, oh my goodness. And so we were like, oh, yeah. this is gross, blah, blah, blah. You take the syrup. Yeah, and we threw it aside and we're like, oh my goodness, we don't want this. This is horrible. So the night went on. Later that evening, the missionary uh, pulled me aside. And he's a friend of mine named Tori. And he said, uh, hey, Stephen, um, I saw the way you guys handled that soda. Can I talk to you about it? So I'm thinking, yeah. I was like, yeah, Tori, it was hot. He's like, and I was, and I was young and I... And I, 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 this was such a growing moment in my life. Um, he said, Stephen, can I tell you what the man did to get those sodas to you? Because you guys laughed, threw them away, said, ill, gross, and then you put them aside. He said, that one man, and he pointed to this, this gentleman who's probably in his 40s. 
He said he rode about 10 days, five days there, five days back on his bicycle, a 10-day trip on his bicycle in the jungle. And believe me, we rode our bikes through that jungle. We had a fundi, which is a mechanic for bicycles that was with us the whole time. So every night our bikes would be broken. He would have to fix them. We'd go the next day. So this isn't like a nice bike path. This is jungle riding. 10 days, 10 days he did that. He said, and he spent half a year's worth of money that he would get. Wow. Because he wanted to honor the guests that were coming into his town and village. Wow. And you guys just drank it, laughed, giggled, said, ill gross, and threw it to the side. You know what it did for me that moment is it shifted my perspective to realize, wow, you need to be intentional with people and aware. And so that changed me. That changed our whole team for that trip. We were so grateful for whatever someone would give us because we didn't know what it cost them. So we come from a culture that's like that, but we can also find that happening here in our own culture here in Long Island or anywhere in the States, especially globally. We've been given a lot or we might not think I don't have too much, but we begin to realize the little others have, but yet the generosity that man had to be so hospitable and give of six months of feeding his family so we could feel valued and we just threw it aside. So I think we've got to be more aware as a people. We've got to be more intentional. And, and celebrate even the sacrifices others have made, no matter if we feel that's little or big or inconvenient to us. There's something bigger. There's a bigger and deeper message there. That's forever changed my life, and I'll never forget that, uh, that Fanta and that Coca-Cola for that man's sacrifice. That's so powerful. It's, it's those moments that shift you, and it's, it's part of your life resume. Yeah. And like things like that makes you like realize is that places that have so little, they're so happy. Yeah. And then you see that sometimes our Western culture, we have so much, but we're so not happy. Yeah. And, um, but that's, that's amazing. That's beautiful. It's like, yeah. and it's like when your mom cooks for you and you're like, Hey, my mom's not the best cook. Don't say it. Just eat the damn crap. <laughs> eat it. Smile. Just eat it. Eat, eat it. it. Smile. Yeah. <laughs> or she'll never invite you back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to get this wooden spoon, man. You know, right. But that's, that's awesome. It, it's interesting because DR was my shift for me, um, mm. which made me want to do eventually a giving back brand an inspiring brand because you go to DR, these third world countries, and you see yeah. them with like, they want your socks, they want things that are used, and like, our garbage is their gold. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited to experience that oh, in, and you in learn, Africa. And you learn so much from them. We walk back and you're thinking, the stories and the lessons we learned from these men and women there, uh, they taught us so much. You know, the big thing about Americans globally is that we're know-it-alls and um, even just kind of like pigs at times. We just hmm. do whatever we want and we think we own the world. And when you go there and you become a student of culture and people, you learn so much. Once again, it's that whole thing about being a student, being a good follower, learning. You will walk away with gold and nuggets and wisdom uh, just from being a student of those that you encounter. Whether you have more or they have less, or they have more and you have less, you go as a student, you come back a richer man. Love it. That's a cool. I know you have so many stories yeah. and stuff with everything. Two more things were done. Um, people that want to grow, what are things that you, they you would recommend daily or weekly or monthly for them to do yeah. to grow in their life, to grow in their spiritual walk, to grow in their rocks of life? Some of yeah. the things that maybe you learned recently yeah. that you do daily and weekly to get you on track to stay in your lane of life. Totally. That's so good. And, you know, and I just firmly believe that the main thing is keep the main thing the main, main thing. thing you know dude oh my gosh that's the, that's the fourth time in the past like <laughs> five weeks 
Every single person says that. Keep the main thing the main thing. I know? love it. <laughs> so for me, um, you know, that's God. And that's keeping the Lord first. Uh, if, he, if He's first, all other things will be added. And so for me, um, a part of that is uh, daily, I try to make time to break away from the noise and the voices of our culture and our world. They're not bad. They're just, it can be noisy. And find that alone time with God. Find that uh, contemplative time, uh, that, that, that prayer and meditation time with God. Uh, and so for some people that might be, yo, you can only do that for five, 10 minutes. Other people, an hour, um, two hours. That's great if you can do it for two hours. I find the majority is a great 20 minutes. If you can get 20 minutes uh, to break away uh, and, and take that time to get alone, to reflect. And so for me, um, that a reflection alone time is I'll, I'll read the Bible. I'll listen to the Bible on audio from the Bible app. Um, I'll listen to something that is musical that maybe just rejuvenates my heart, my spirit, um, a worship song, whatever it is, or sometimes silence. And I think we underestimate the power of silence. We've had this conversation before. Yep. Um, if you can break away and you find 10 minutes of actual silence in your life every day, you really will see the fruit of that. It just makes you more present. So that breakaway time every single day, whatever you can do is so important and vital. And then find community. I think you really, you can't do life alone. Find real community that, because, uh, you know, social media can, it can reveal to you. It can show you um, an experience or even capture a moment is the better word of a community. But you cannot engage with that community via social media. So find a community be physically present there, engage in that community. And I believe that's going to unlock productivity, freedom, um, and not a, not an unhealthy comparison, but a good challenging to you to be a better person, to be a better man or woman, um, to be more productive in your life. Uh, and so that's, that's important. And so we have, we, our church is our community. You know, I, I believe that we weren't meant to do life alone. That's straight from God's heart. And so getting that alone time, finding a good community to plug into uh, all those are just two key things. Those but are huge. You do those things, yeah, you'll see so much fruit from it, and yeah. they're and they're easy to do. I know it's like, you no, know, remember, community's not convenient; it's inconvenient. You make it a priority. Oh my goodness, you will see the fruit of it, and you'll be a better person because yeah, of success it. is built on inconvenience, not convenient. Then everybody else would do it. Yep. There it is. Yeah, I love it, dude. Thank you so much for coming. Honored give me, to be here, man. Give me a pound. Yeah. And I know you guys enjoyed this tremendously, and you will listen to this. Please share this, guys. Uh, this is what it's about: is about sharing information. It's not about being popular. It's about having purpose and helping those that are broken, that are lost. Um, podcast changed my life. You know, reading books, getting around a guy like Pastor Stephen. You know, um, where can people find you? Oh well, we're at Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle, sgtchurch.org. Awesome church and community. There. Yeah, and got so many great things to plug into and support groups. And uh, I know there's some projects in the future that you're going to continue to build on. So yeah. thank you so much. So we do this every single podcast, and we ask one question before we wrap it up. This yeah. is the 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 question. Are you ready for this? Question. This I'm is the Seven Rock Life this Nation podcast question. <laughs> All right, so here we go. So if you had a billboard. For the yeah. whole world to see, yeah. what would your message be to the world? Wow. One sentence, yeah. one word, what would your message be to the world? My message would be Jesus brings freedom. Why? That, that That's my anthem. Um, because I think our world is in such bondage and captivity. I think people go to sleep at night uh, not wanting to wake up, and they wake up not wanting to live it out. And I think... Um, the only answer for that is Jesus. And I, I'd love to see a people who are free because that's what Jesus did. He said, I came to set the captives free. So people in captivity creates a hard cycle in people's lives. So I want I would have it say that simple, profound, yet miraculous is Jesus brings freedom. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, really Steve. appreciate Love it from the bottom of my heart. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Enjoy the show. Share it. Check us out on sunrocklife.com and on Instagram. And thanks for tuning. Have a blessed week. And go rock out. Dream big, dream often. Love you guys.